And we'll just wait a few minutes for everyone to log in here. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining today. We're going to allow a few more minutes for uh, attendees to log on here. So patience. Uh, in the meantime, uh, if you can familiar, familiarize yourself with the Zoom interface, uh, on the bottom right, you'll see the Q&A section where you can add any of your questions that you, you'd like to ask uh, Ray or Eleanor on the call today. Uh, so feel free to, to place those there. All right, well, let's kick it off, everyone. This is the Media Gel Podcast. I'm your host, Guillermo Bravo. Today, we'll be covering five expert-proof tips to streamline dispensary operations with Eleanor Lynch and Ray Riley. Thank you both for joining us today. Great to be here. Yeah. A little background on Media Gel. Uh, Media Gel is a uh, connects cannabis brands and retailers with consumers through our ad network of mainstream publishers, mobile apps, games, and TVs. Uh, a little background on our guest here, Eleanor Lynch is the COO of Chiaro. Is that pronounced correctly? Yeah. Uh, yep. Chiaro is a publicly traded cannabis retail um, MSO uh, headquartered in Vancouver, BC. We also have on the line today, Ray Riley. He is the CEO of Progress Retail, a retail employee experience platform, transforming the way stores, store teams are trained, execute initiatives and delight customers. Welcome to the show, Ray. Thanks, Guillermo. Yeah. Well, let's just uh, start with a little bit about your background. Uh, Eleanor, you know, we noticed that you have eight years experience running retail at Lids in almost four years at Chiaro. How, how has the experience from outside the industry been influential in scaling operations within cannabis? Well, I've been in the retail business for about 25 years, so very long time. And uh, my previous role was with LIDS and, and the operations here in Canada. Um, so I think like a lot of, well, it wasn't a lot of people that made the transition when I did. I, I transitioned in 2018, right before legalization in Canada in preparation for legalization. And so I would say that for most of us that transitioned in the early days, there wasn't a lot of infrastructure. A lot of the things you're used to having, um, some of the great things from Progress Retail, for example, that you know you get exposed to over time, learning management platforms, point of sales, 
there was a lot of companies that weren't in the game yet for various reasons around regulations and legalization in other jurisdictions. So I'd say that's probably the biggest challenge. If you're coming from outside the industry, you're used to a lot of service options. Um, but things have certainly proliferated. They've changed a lot in the last four years. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure this this industry always keeps us on our toes and you know, between compliance, uh, innovation on technology, on products, like it's it's always changing. <laughs> it's always changing. Uh, Ray, outside the industry, uh, a lot of back, best practices can be applied to cannabis. You know, what inspired you to adapt the platform to cannabis retailers? And, you know, what problems were you trying to solve? Yeah, I, you know, and I'll, I'll kick off with our mission, you know, Progress Retail, and that really revolves around uh, the empowerment and enablement of frontline teams. So how can we make retail as easy as possible for those that really do matter the most, uh, those on the front line? So we started focusing on cannabis, I'd say early 2020, you know, recognizing that it was a retail category, likely dealing with some of the same challenges as traditional retail. And so, you know, getting back to that empowerment and enablement um, side of things, you know, on the enablement side, I'd ask all of our listeners, you know, for them to tally up all the different tools um, that their frontline teams engage with on a weekly basis. So, you know, Eleanor mentioned some of those tools, right? Um, you've got your point of sale, HR, payroll, scheduling. Sometimes that can be three tools in one um, or three tools on their own. A tool for training, maybe a second tool for product knowledge, which I know we're going to talk about later. You know, a tool for communications, tasks, and then there's email. It's just insane. So we expect teams to deliver, you know, an exceptional customer experience and for store leaders to develop their teams. But you know, there's never going to be one app for all this stuff. But for us, you know, we replace anywhere from three to five tools in one, uh, really designed for retail. Uh, now on the empowerment side, you know, there's a race to the bottom with some cannabis retailers as it relates to price. And so, you know, that's not a winning strategy. And so in-store experience becomes a competitive advantage. And that's really where, you know, on the empowerment side, our retail partners are able to leverage a really large library of retail education that differentiates on a uh, human connection, trust, and experience. Oh, that's great. That's great. And, you know, I, I know historically, uh, you know, like what, what was it like running communications and, and training uh, before Progress Retail, you know, for mm. a, a dispensary retailer? Yeah, I mean, this is a big one. Um, and I'll sort of split the store communications from training because okay. they're kind of two different initiatives. You know, on the training side, it's usually a tale of two camps, uh, and that really has a lot to do with where that organization's at in their life cycle. So, you know, are you a five-store chain getting off the ground, or are you reaching some degree of retail critical mass? So cannabis is still in its quite early innings, particularly in North America, so, you know, the majority fall into that um, initial camp. So there could be a lot, little learning content design. There can sometimes be an ambiguous way of communicating standards and expectations. So I like to use the example of SOPs in like a Word doc format, right? That's great, but words don't teach. Yes, Kurt joined. What's up, Kurt? Um, <laughs> Apologies, everyone. Uh, I looked at my calendar. It showed the wrong time on there. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm letting everybody down. So my sincere All apologies. Good. No, it, no, Kurt, uh, my apologies. I, I've been traveling here. I'm in uh, Austin, Texas for South by Southwest, and my calendar was wrong. So, you know, you can blame it on me on this one. <laughs> All good stuff. Uh, and just a little background on Kurt I Eisenberg. Is that Eisenberger? Is that correct? Uh, uh, Eisenberger. Eisenberger. So Kurt Eisenberger uh, is the learning development manager and, 
and influential in retail operations at Loom. Uh, Loom is the largest vertically integrated single operator in the United States. Welcome to the show, Kurt. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm looking forward to connecting, and you know, uh, you know, I know Ray uh, fairly well. You know, it's always great to have a yeah. partner there, and to meet uh, Eleanor and and yourself also. So, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you as well. And you know, Kurt, you have eight eight years of experience at Apple. How you know how has that experience been instrumental in your leadership role at Loom? Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> I'm thankful every day. You know, I'll, I'll just start there. I think. You know, as I reflect on my time spent with such a large organization at the scale they are globally, you know, and uh, I, I bring it back to kind of where we are current state as an organization, you know, we've been scaling extremely fast, you know, so with that, uh, you know, comes along with some some key aspects of like, you know, how do you deal with all that ambiguity, you know, and how do you uh, remain extremely agile and accomplish what you want to all at the same time while, you know, growing so much, you know, throughout the state. Um, as well. So, um, you know, I, I pay homage to like my skills that I've developed as a leader, you know, and uh, some, some of my operational prowess within retail um, as well uh, to, uh, you know, to really be able to influence and uh, support and lead, whether it be teams or individuals across Loom. So I'm, I'm extremely thankful and, you know, for the past opportunities and kind of where it's led me to now. Well, that's, that's quite impressive. And, you know, it's, you know, your experience is, is instrumental in, in and, and what's needed in the cannabis industry really to uh, legitimize and, and scale these businesses. And, you know, what role does cannabis education play in the day-to-day -day operations? And, you know, what does your onboarding process look like at a retail? Yeah. 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 It's a great question. Uh, it's like, you know, it's almost like what role doesn't it play? Does <laughs> it not play, you know, with, within retail, right? I think it's a huge segment, you know, it's something that we're hyper-focused on, on day-to-day and, you know, I know Ray and I have had this conversation many a time and I continue to have it, let it be at the store level or with the executives that, you know, there's there's the um, uh, the, the piece where we want to legitimize it, you know, and, you know, I think also still pay, pay homage to the culture that's come from the past, while also at the same time, you know, how do we create this space that's really open to everyone? So we've been extremely focused, obviously, from um, a product knowledge standpoint with the products that we carry, you know, um, to essentially what cannabis is and what it can excuse me, what it can do. Uh, but then also, you know, how does that come back to how we interact with the customers and the consumers? You know, because we got those folks that have been embedded into uh, culture for decades too. It's like, hey, I've never done this before. I'd like to give it a shot though. And, uh, you know, and you guys look like and sound like, a, you know, a great starting point. So it's extremely, uh, extremely important on the day-to-day. -day. Agreed, agreed. And, and Ray, you know, how is, how is turnover before and after implementing you know, retail operations or retail employee experience platform, you know, like progress retail. Yeah. And I think, you know, getting back to that, those two themes of empowerment and enablement, you know, we have a case study, um, we're running a new case study right now, uh, but our retail partners in the first year of implementation were able to decrease their employee turnover between 28% and 79% in the first year of implementation. It's a real wide gap, of course, right? Um, when we aggregated the data, not average, but aggregated, it came out at about a 61% reduction. So we're not a silver bullet. We like to say that, you know, but it, this is a really a combination of the right tools, the right learning, and of course, you know, committed execution on the part of our retail partners. Um, when teams, you know, optimize teams, deliver optimized outcomes. And that's just what it's about. Agreed. Agreed. And um, Eleanor, like, how do you streamline internal communication across multiple stores, regions, and states? Well, the provinces. I'm in Canada, so um, 
We are a multi-provincial uh, retailer, fully federally legal in Canada. Yeah. Uh, and despite the, the legalization um, across the country, there is still a, a definitely an, a stigma issue. I think, Kurt, you mentioned that. And I think that was a great point. Uh, the issue of uh, stigma can't be under underestimated when you're dealing in the cannabis space. And so making it a comfortable place for patrons, because most of our employees that work with us are team members, we call them cannabis consultants. They love the plant and they're super comfortable with the plant. And most of them use the plant. Some of them um, are, are close to the plant in other ways. And so they're, they have to learn how to create that comfortable environment for somebody that's new to to enjoying cannabis. And so what I love about tools like Progress Retail and working with Terry and, and Ray is certainly the ability to, as, as Ray said, optimize and bring people together on the journey and have them understand the different levels of, of where people are at and allow that to be consistent across the chain. Because that's the other issue we have across retail is that as technology and tools have exploded, um, most executives have um, a, a little bit far from the experience of the associate. And for the associate, they've got like, what, five, six, seven tools. And, you know, oh, that's easy, easy to manage. Well, maybe not if you only work two five-hour shifts uh, a week. Uh, that's challenging to remember all that stuff and go to school and or be a mom or be a dad or whatever it might be. And so what I love about trying to find ways to optimize onboarding, to optimize experience, is it really becomes about what the where the journey starts, and the journey starts between uh, your customer uh, that's external and your customer that's internal, which is you know the, your your team member. So it's it's uh, definitely very helpful to help bring those things together. And how do you you know manage the you know, execution of changes in policy at a company wide level level? Uh, I think the same mechanisms, you know, this is what allows you really to, to make things simple. There, and there are other tools that are in the, the, the ecosystem uh, that are also helpful, but, you know, there's an expectation for immediate information digestion, and you got to be really careful about that because that expectation leads to confusion, uh, over, over information. I mean, that's a big problem in our world today is like just too much information. You know, people that uh, sit in executive seats really need to think about, you know, turning a ship as it gets bigger, uh, takes, takes a lot more effort and hey, you have to be a lot more, more, more thoughtful. And as you're scaling your business and maybe Kurt, this resonates for you when you, when you have uh, just a few stores and you're starting, man, you can, you can turn things on, turn things off, change policies. It's relatively simple. Uh, but then you get to to scale, and, and maybe one day we're all, we've got a retailer sitting at a thousand stores. Lids Lid Sports Group was certainly at, at around the thousand store mark across several countries. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot different. And so all of these tools help you on that journey of um, change that you go through. And Kurt, you know anything that you'd like to add on on to that as far as the journey and you know streamlining internal internal communications across you know all of your stores. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, I would definitely echo uh, Eleanor's points. And I think for us and, and my, especially myself personally, you got to keep it simple too, right? There's, a, there's like so much stuff that you could easily just get in front of your store teams, your uh, bud tenders or luminaries, as we like to refer them to here at Loom. Um, and it could just add a lot to their plate and also create a lot of confusion. And, you know, and I think sometimes even like, um, you know, mix up like certain priorities that you want to try to accomplish, you know, let it be at the uh, retail space or like the individual level as well from that story. So I, so, I, so I think it's extremely important, like how do you simplify the message that also still has the, has the biggest impact uh, for your team members as well. Now, in terms of like learning and development in the journey, you know, it, it is just that it's a journey. 
you know, and we always like to say like, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's also not done alone. It's not a matter of like we have teams or butt tenders, whatever you call it, just sitting there. We give them like a bunch of manuals. Here you go, read through it. And it's like a silver bullet. And all of a sudden like magic, you can, you can do it at the best of your ability. Right. So we like to emphasize like the partnership uh, at the leadership level within our locations, along with the, with the employees. And how, do, how does that partnership and that relationship really work uh, uh, in synergy with each other to help the development and strive and get the best for our teams? And obviously how that translates to our guest experience as well. That's fan that's fantastic. It's fantastic. Uh, and as far as communications, Ray, like how do you how do you communicate changes from HQ to to each in store? Yeah, well, you know, I, I hung my retail ops hat up a handful of years ago, but um, I'm never saying never. Um, I'd love to get back at it someday. Um, so I can sort of give you some context as to how our retail partners do it. Um, okay. and I I love what both um, Eleanor and Kurt just shared, you know, I love what Eleanor shared around that empathy for that internal customer, that employee, that cannabis consultant or luminary in the context of today's talk. Um, and then also Kurt around, you know, streamlining it, keeping it simple and effective. So for us, you know, when we're talking to retailers, we say, you know, ask yourself before you send a store email, right? Because there's always anyone in retail knows, you know, Monday or Tuesday, those are big store email days. Before you do that, ask yourself, Three questions. One, is it a task? Meaning, is this, does this have contextual information, a due date, uh, requirements, relevant recipients like the store manager, um, follow-up? Do they need to like send photos or something? Then don't email that. Create a task. And, and obviously our platform enables that. Uh, you know, is this an update? So like a notice or some good news or praise, group communication, if you will. But we have an integrated communications tool to funnel that type of communication. But then last and definitely not least, you know, is this a learning initiative? So do we need to lead teams through a concept or process, a way of working? We can then quiz or assess, you know, whether they've absorbed what they need to know and what they need to do. So especially when we talk about like regulatory stuff and compliance, right? That's really, really important. So let's make a quick course. And so, you know, what we found is when retailers get in that habit um, and structure sort of these cadences of communications, the results are astonishing goes back to, you know, optimize teams, optimize results. Wonderful. And Eleanor, what, in your opinion, like what is the most important thing about communications when it comes to managing a retail chain? Gosh, I just like really love the way Ray puts it. I think that's, you know, we had, you know, kismet when we first met because that's exactly how I would, I would say that is the best practice, you know, and I don't know that in retail, that is always the way we do things. And so it's great to have a partner that reminds you <laughs> to you know, compartmentalize and, and to categorize uh, what you're trying to accomplish and the stream that would best accomplish that. Because then it helps people think about what their outcome is and then they deploy it in that manner. So if it's a learning initiative, you, know, it's, it, it, you have to go slow and you have to make sure people understand it, but you also don't want to overcomplicate it and give too much information. Um, so I, I, I don't, I can't really follow that answer with, with, with Ray's answer with anything more, because I think he hit the nail on the head. Definitely categorize and be clear and consistent in your communication. We have, we have a question from the audience here. What is the average annualized cost of training for retail businesses? What percentage of the total cost should be technology tools? That is a very uh, good question. I'm, I'm, um, I don't know if I should tackle that one as the any, any, anyone. Oh, I'm teasing. Anyone, um, 
You know, it's funny. We, we once, I don't have the data anymore. We, about three years ago, I think we, we sort of started to look at this. We, we started to take our retail partners at the time, their annualized revenue. And we, you know, obviously looked at their investment um, and came up with a very, very, it was a fraction of 1%, like in terms of investment. Now, the question becomes though, what are you getting, right? And, and I think that this is, you know, um, something that we, uh, particularly prior to meeting with the retailer, we struggled to articulate is the value that we provide. It's not just a tool. You also are getting access to this renowned library of education. And so, you know, you take, you take L&D, right, as a department. Um, and I, I know, you know, like, it's great we have Kurt here who's really, you know, spearheading that for Loom um, alongside, you know, Dan and a lot of the other folks there. You know, L&D, there's a great infographic where there's actually 22 roles that sit within L&D. So what retailer can afford 22 salaries? Not many. And of course, there's some jack of all trades, you know, like Kurt out there and, and, and that. But um, even still, you know, like, where do you need to partner? And where can you focus on your, you know, your core competency as a retailer or a cannabis retailer um, to be able to drive the most amount of value? So um, it's, a, it's a difficult question to answer. There are a lot of variables. Um, but of course, you know, we've got two partners on the call that their insights would be uh, more insightful than mine. Yeah, I'll, I'll share this, um, you know, for someone that's been with Loom now for a little over a year. And if you think about it, if you're like a retail organization just getting started, you know, the, the one bit of advice, what I would say is, you know, take advantage, put yourself out there and see what's out there to use. Right. You know, the, and, then the, and, you know, and there's something to be said, like the face to face value for like a small startup and an entrepreneur that has like their single uh, store operation where, you know, they're side by side with their team and having that interaction, that relationship. But then as you scale and grow, you definitely need to look at some resources or organizations that can be great partners to help you, you know, broaden your influence and your impact when it comes to T&D. Um, in terms of like monetary value, gosh, it's, it's a hard question to answer, kind of what Ray was speaking to. But I think the one thing you have to be thoughtful about is like, you know, what makes sense for you and your brand? you know, as it relates to what you're trying to accomplish, you know, and, uh, you know, and, you know, and I'd say like, listen to those closest to the action as well. Like, how do you solicit feedback from your teams and your leaders around, you know, what they need and what their wants and desires. And in many, in many cases, it can kind of steer you on the correct path of the, uh, the desired path that uh, the organization would want to go. And Kerry, you brought up a good point there as far as feedback, uh, you know, how, you know, how does uh, progress retail, take feedback uh, you know, from employees, from management, and then put that into, you know, implement that in, in, within the system and, and you know, improve on, on their operations. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think at face value with what we're trying to accomplish, um, you know, it gives the immediate feedback in terms of like uh, scale learning opportunities at the store level and of course at the district level in terms of like accomplishment and uh, you know being able to uh to i don't know i guess gather the data so to speak and see how teams are are, are able to absorb the data and learning right you know you've got different ways you can kind of like um uh, measure that uh, from that standpoint and i think on the on the other side of it too we use progress retail and the uh the content that's provided to also ask some uh, great questions when i'm in stores you know asking about their learning journey and you know just like some opportunities or some successes they're seeing at the store level you know what can we do maybe a little bit differently as well when it comes to you know enhancing their their um 
their environment and their abilities to create a great experience for guests, you know, and how progress retail, uh, you know, Ray and I have these conversations at times. I'll just shoot like a random email because a random thought will be like, Hey, have we thought about this before I've heard this from a couple of our team and, you know, we'll banter back and forth. And, and in many instances, it can lead to like some, some really good aha moments of like, Hey, there, maybe there's something to this, or maybe if we think about it a different way, uh, we could still get the same bang for a buck and add value and, and, and really provide what our teams are looking for. That's uh, it's phenomenal. And, you know, kudos to, to Ray and the team for building on such a, a valuable resource of, you know, this library of education of retail tools and, you know, uh, Kurt and Eleanor for, for implementing these and, and putting them into action with, uh, you know, five, 10, 20 locations. It's, uh, it's quite impressive. Uh, as far as the SMP, well, oh, good. Can I just throw something in there? Of course, I'm a <laughs> promoter of like, you know, Progress Retail and their brand and what they do. And I'll just say they're just getting started you know, with uh, what they have available already and like some things in the pipeline. And I think about like, you know, what's on the horizon for Loom and what we want to try to accomplish. And some ideally some things that probably resonate with others in the cannabis industry. Um, it, it's pretty fantastic. Uh, and it's not, it's obviously about cannabis, but I think at the end of the day, when we think about it, it's more so about people, right? It's about our teams and also our, our customers and our guests, you know, as well at the end of the day. Agreed, great job over there, Ray. <laughs> Oh, well, th thanks. And, but I, you know, I can't stress this enough. Uh, you know, we're, um, we're retailers, like, you know, we're not technologists. Um, uh, we're, we're retailers at heart and, you know, it takes, uh, we're, you know, we are in our early innings, but we would be nowhere if it wasn't for, you know, I will use the term, not lightly visionary operators like Eleanor and the, uh, the Kiaro team and Kurt and the, and the Loom team that want to go about cannabis employee experience in a in, in in a new way right um you know there's a lot of old tools out there there's a lot of old ways of doing things and they both and their teams get that you know it is 2022 and there is probably a new way to do things as opposed to how retail was ran in 2005 you know and and so i i i can't i can't i can take very little credit because without them you know um we would not be able to continue to invest and grow this product. So I'm very appreciative. So you, you mentioned, you know, how retail was done in the past, uh, how it's done currently. Uh, crystal ball, like, what do you see? 2050, how's retail going to be? Uh, how's that experience going to be uh, different? Well, yeah, I mean, 2050, I mean, gosh, I, I think, you know, uh, the trend right with retail is it's, it's splitting in two. Uh, the term that's been thrown around is bifurcating, right? So you've got, you know, your high touch experience, your low touch experience. I don't know. I'm, uh, Kurt and Eleanor could speak much more um, eloquently about probably, you know, what the cannabis side of that. Like, obviously, I think there's going to be, you know, probably uh, drones delivering, you know, your pre-rolls and edibles probably by 2050. But who knows? You know, there's the old saying, you know, we wanted flying cars and um, instead we got, uh, you know, what I forget how that quote goes. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, look, I think there is always going to be a degree of retail, um, that is going to be high touch and require incredibly talented and skilled individuals, um, in those stores, they're going to have to be highly empowered and enabled. And that's obviously, um, what we are at progress retail betting our uh, futures on <laughs> that that's going to be the case. So, um, yeah, that would probably be my answer. Nice. Uh, I love the question. I think it's a great question. 
I get asked the question a lot. I'm sure Kurt does as well as Ray. Uh, and no one has a crystal ball. So I'll, I'll, I'll say something bold, which, which may or may not be true. It's just certainly my perspective, my experience from being in retail for so long. I think uh, you're going to see a lot of big retailers very disrupted because uh, retail is now uh, the center of the experience is if you're going to do brick and mortar, certainly there's still still a place for brick and mortar. I, I mean, I, I find it funny when people are like, oh, brick and mortar is going to go away. It's never going to go away. It's always going to be there. But it's man, you're going to get disrupted because you can't you got a lot. If, you, if you're a big company and the center of the experience is community. And we have all of these tools now that allow us to connect with our communities in different and more meaningful ways. Uh, really, what do you have to pay attention to? You have to pay attention to the experience of those that deliver the experience. And I think that when you are running in a world that was maybe less complicated, where there was less to disrupt your business, it was very hard to get your space. I don't know that's the case anymore. I think it's really easy to be disruptive in the space with all of these tools. There you go. That's one of them. And so, man, you better really be thinking about how do you connect in communities and make meaningful moments. Yeah, I um, yeah, I agree with Eleanor wholeheartedly. And I think, you know, in terms of like how do you predict the future, or like what's on the horizon or around the, that corner. You know, the, the longer you try it, the further out you try to look out, it's almost like, you know, looking down the road at night, it's, you know, the, the vision becomes a little bit more blurred, right? Just so, just because so much can change. You know, um, if I look a little bit more shorter term, I will say a, a couple of things that come to my mind. I think, you know, the, our culture and our, um, the, the, I guess the consumer in itself kind of can set the standard to a certain extent also as well. You know, as things evolve, you know, you're holding up your 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 smartphone there. We know what that did to us as a us as a world, you know. And when you kind of like tie those things and start connecting the dots, it can go in a lot of different directions. You know, I think for me, you know, when you think about at the heart of like retail and cannabis retail, um, you know, th these centers or these um, dispensaries are really at the forefront of really how everyone within the communities can kind of come together, experience this pop product firsthand and first out, you know, and you know, there's something to be said by like, depending on the type of industry you're in, like digital mar digital uh, retailers might have more of a distinct advantage, but when it comes back to people, you know, we're all social creatures and like, we like to come together, you know, and especially around cannabis as well. So I think as we look towards the future, um, I don't think, I don't necessarily think that's going to be going away, uh, really at all, uh, if, you know, in the short term anyway, or, or if ever, you know, I think the thing we want to think about is, you know, especially for like states of Michigan that I'm in, you know, we're still in its infancy. So things are going to continually rapidly change. And I think we need to, um, as much as possible, stay ahead, you know, be innovative, be relentless, have that grit, you know, and sometimes, you know, when we think of like, you know, we don't know if this is going to work and trying something new, try it. You know, the worst case, thing that can happen is maybe maybe it doesn't work in the moment but it can also be like a learning opportunity to uh, lead to some discoveries that you never thought you could have before as well yeah it's really setting yourself you know apart from the competition right um mm -hmm. being that uh, an innovator innovator and you know you know better than uh, anyone right working at apple it's uh, it's a company known uh for its innovation and and really setting the tone and you know really dominating the global market. So, uh, you know, transitioning a little bit to 
I, I'm curious, Ray and Kurt, do you think we're going to be shopping in the metaverse in the next? Uh, next <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. I'm a social- um, I, I will say this. Um, I think uh, with like companies like Facebook and the work they were doing around there, I think it's a it's a great start. I think uh, the tricky thing for that kind of like technology is it can catapult very quickly or it can have like a very long road. Um, when it comes to cannabis in our industry, there's probably certain things that you'll be able to experience that folks will probably want to, especially when it's new, shiny and bright, uh, shiny and bright right? Um, but, you know, when you think about, I don't know, when I personally think about like cannabis and like, you know, what really attracts or gets uh, folks excited about it, it's the intimacy of it as well. And, you know, um, someday maybe we'll be able to fill that gap in the metaverse or with these certain technologies um, uh, to be able to overcome that. But, you know, in, in this day and age, you know, there's, you know, when you see someone coming in and, you know, and taking that flower and smelling it and a smile getting on their face and like sharing personal stories around, you know, how, how it helps and, and enhance their life or even um, their go-to um, socially to, to connect with their friends, you know, it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat. And then, and if we get out get over that hill, know um it's going to be an exciting thing i don't know if it's going to be anytime soon like i I dabble a little bit in like the vr stuff like just you know on occasion and um you know i'm a little bit of a snob when it comes to that just because i i just like ah this is kind of too blocky it reminds me like nintendo like the nintendo version of tech you know even though it's at at its beginning uh versus something like that but i would i would probably personally gather more towards augmented reality first before virtual reality you know if anything where they can kind of like come together with potentially within our retail spaces of future yeah. state. Yeah, that's really well said. I think we're, we're at Chiaro here in Canada with 17 locations, e-commerce, omni-channel, reserve online, pick up in store, delivery, that's last yeah. month. We're, we're big on integrating tech and improving the experience in terms of how you get the experience you want. But I'm, I'm super curious about how others like Kurt and Ray see, you know, the, the real forward thinking changes that are coming because you know, the, the landscape has already changed so rapidly. That's great um, feedback. Thank you for sharing that. Mm, I think it's a great question. And I, I also, you know, it's interesting to see how, you know, technologies are always used before they're fully understood. And, you know, you look at the example of Walmart that put out that video um, a month or two ago of shopping at Walmart in the metaverse. And that's like a very linear way of thinking around this. And, I, you know, I don't think that that's probably going to be um, a very large use case for the metaverse. But when I think about retail and, and luxury retail and even cannabis, I mean, I think we all saw the Mike Tyson uh, ear edibles that came out the other day. And I think about that and I say, all right, well, is there some metaverse uh, application, like something similar potentially to an NFT where you have a, a Mike Tyson autographed um, Evander Holyfield ear gummy, right? Like, is that then a way, a store of value? Um, you know, maybe, I mean, I'm, I'm 32. So like, I, I was, I'm a little, I'm just past like the, the, the generation that's really gaming a lot and collecting all these things in these digital worlds. It wasn't really what I grew up with. Um, I'm not knocking it because I just don't personally fully understand it. <laughs> but um, I, I definitely think there's a large segment of folks that are, largely operating in these spaces. And um, I think that true human connection and experience though in person is going to um, 
I think especially with what people have gone through in the last two years with COVID, I think going to really uh, explode um, over these next few years. So how that impacts the metaverse, I'm not sure, but it's definitely something I think is really, really um, fascinating to see the, 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 the excitement around. And I'm, I am here at South by Southwest and I, and I did attend a, a panel with um, Faith Popcorn on 2050 and five predictions for 2050. And, you know, she was sharing that, uh, you know, when it comes to the metaverse and what you expressed, Kurt, as far as the limitations, um, as far as smelling, tasting, uh, that, you know, in the, in the near future, you will be able to taste, smell, and feel from the metaverse. So, so when that changes, then, you know, what, how is that going to impact our experience uh, in, in, the, in these different applications? And, you know, just a, another example that was given is, you know, we, we can go back in the metaverse and go back to prohibition times and see, see how it was to live in the, the 19, 1920s and go through history and experience that, you know, in person and first person immersed in, in that whole experience as opposed to just reading about it in the book. Um, so that those type of, uh, those type of kind of immersive, um, I don't even know what you call them, but just, just different made yeah, kind of like those experiences. Yeah. This experiences um, will make an impact on us and be able to see, you know, go to a farm, you know, go, go to a, uh, to one of your producer processors farm, go to Kiara, go to your, uh, you know, allow someone in a retail store to go to the actual farm and, and grab a plant and, and get a tour of, you know, the, uh, the HQ or, or anything that you like to So it's just really connecting that experience in store to, as you said, you know, omni-channel across all platforms. <laughs> and Kurt, you know, as far as, um, SOPs, you know, like what's the process of creating, you know, how SOPs, how do you manage, how do you implement these across the company? Oh yeah, gosh, it's a great question. Um, I th it definitely looks a little bit different now than I'd say even a year ago when we were only at um, 13 retail locations. Um, to a certain extent, um, I, I feel what you kind of have to do, especially starting out, is going to create what, you know, what's referred to as these like little hot teams, right? You know, especially if you're an up and coming uh, retailer and, uh, you know, you want to, you want to standardize some best practices to create alignment uh, operationally across your, uh, across your locations, you know, so we, we've tapped like, like folks from like that work directly in the retail in terms of leadership, you know, and sometimes we'll, we'll have these cross-functional teams and have someone on like our ops excellence team kind of partner with that uh, from that standpoint to come together because the one thing that we've uncovered um, you know, since I've been in this industry and at Loom and uh, actually others is, you know, we, we, we need to hear the voice of those closest to the action and, you know, and value their opinions and ideas. You know, uh, far be it for me as like the T&D um, like leader for Loom is just sit behind a desk and like have these grandioso ideas and just like, all right, here's what we're going to implement send right so i think that's going to be extremely critical um from creating like standard operating procedures on how you get things done but i think also so so there's that piece of those teams and i think the other piece too is you got to really think about you know at times you can have competing priorities as an organization as well which i'm sure you know uh, eleanor especially is probably familiar with like what's what's most most important how you prioritize that and really having those teams come together from a sop standpoint really 
drive those conversations, you know, and, and accomplish what needs to be accomplished that's going to have the biggest impact across uh, like most entities, you know, and kind of go from there. So I'd say think big, you got to funnel down though, and, you know, and, and have laser focus, uh, but also bring the right people along with you as well. Uh, versus maybe sometimes the one the one or two folks that uh, you would want only to make the only decisions. Wonderful. And we have a question from the audience here. What are some of the best training libraries we can subscribe to? Do these touch into the cannabis training or soft skill training? Uh, I'll say, well, Progress Retail, first and foremost, <laughs> in terms of some of uh, the cannabis care. And actually, you know, the, the great thing that I love about that platform also is it's the cannabis education and there's some other things coming, but then also, you know, there's, there's uh, training in there for um, bud tenders around some of those, you know, they, people say soft skills. I refer to them as hard skills because sometimes interacting with people can be challenging, you know, cause everyone's different. So uh, they've done a really nice job of teeing up a, like, you know, uh, focusing on um, some specific skills when it comes to connecting with people and really how to create a great experience. And I think also there's the uh, the third piece too with like leadership development also is extremely important. You know, you know our team members at our store locations heavily rely on uh, great leadership to guide and support. You know, along the way. So progress retail, of course, I'm a little bit biased as well. Um, you know, for our organization, there's been, um, and forgive me if I butcher this, uh, the Ganjir. Um, uh, Gunjier um, program that's been uh, floating around a lot. You know, we got a couple of our managers in our organization that have gone through it. It's almost like the sommelier um, kind of a certification course. I've heard uh, nothing but good things as of yet anyway about that. But then also, if you're wanting to like also develop other skills outside of cannabis that you can like segue into and help you just as an operator, as a retailer, gosh. Um, there's a lot of great stuff out there from philosophy, uh, like leadership philosophies for leaders. Um, LinkedIn Learning has always been a good platform. Even my leader also always promotes that stuff. And he has like good, good takeaways from that standpoint as well. I'm a fan, a fan of podcasts yeah. uh, and so on and so forth. Um, a recent book uh, that I read uh, recently that I'd share is uh, The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. You know, it's uh, something that came back from the 90s uh, as well, but it kind of still holds up true. You know, found them fundamentally anyway. I'm a big fan of that, but um, yeah, I'd say that like, I can't pinpoint one uh, for Loom in itself. We have a uh, progress retail that we heavily utilize. And then uh, based off some of the connections we make uh, either with leaders throughout Loom and, get, and soliciting feedback from uh, um, leaders at the store level, uh, they usually are, are very, uh, very forefront with sharing ideas around some uh, opportunities for development and stuff too. All right, and then um, continuing on, uh, Kurt, as the learning development head, like what's something you want re retailers to know about L&D? That it is a journey is probably my biggest thing. You know, it's, it's, it's never ending, it's nonstop. And, um, you know, when you think about our industry in itself, it's ever evolving, right? You know, it's growing, you know, at substantial rates. Um, you know, so, so you, you really wanna create a culture within your stores that that's part of the journey day to day. Obviously, you got the other components in terms of like taking care of guests, selling products, you know, educating uh, consumers around certain products or just cannabis in general. But even before you get get to there, you've got to start with your own team, your internal customers as well, right? And really set them up for success. So, I would say my advice would be is like, how do you incorporate and integrate uh, learning opportunities, uh, even on the day to day? They don't have to be a grandiose. So, like, you know, there's three hours of training everyone needs to go through around XYZ, it could be moments in time 
you know, that your retail leaders can really make these connections and, and you know, and add value uh, that then goes to their team and then translates to the guests also. Uh, Ray, you know, leaning on your expertise, what should Canvas retailers be considering when it comes to a learning strategy, you know, for their teams and organizations? Yeah, and I, I would definitely love to, you know, include Eleanor in this as well, because um, we've been with, you know, Chiaro for now coming up on a year and they've done such you know, an amazing job of implementation. Uh, Kurt and the Loom team, we've been uh, together now since about roughly October, November, I think. Um, so a little bit earlier on, but, um, you know, I think to make it really, really, really simple, you know, what do you have in terms of learning now? And, and, you know, it's, it's sort of like that, how to, how to eat an elephant one bite at a time kind of thing. I think a lot of retailers, it's a, it's a very daunting task to design an entire like learning path for your teams. So how are your teams currently onboarded and inducted? Is it a 50 page PowerPoint deck that takes hours for, you know, a store manager or another stakeholder to take a, a, a new hire through? Um, okay, how do you measure that? How do you track that? What's it costing you in terms of execution gaps, et cetera, right? So, um, you know, we support our retail partners in developing that. But I think, you know, secondly, um, what do you need, right? So is it really doubling down on experience and, and you know, those, you know, those skills that, you know, we, uh, we, we really pride ourselves on in terms of empathy, communication skills, being able to be a really advanced listener. Um, you know, that's the, the what do you need. And then, and then what do you need to partner on? And I think that that's, you know, for a retailer of any size, um, really the question to ask. Um, now that's all the what, right? The yeah. what of it, but the how, I mean, not to put you on the spot, Eleanor, but I'd love to involve you in this more. Like, um, you know, you guys have done such an amazing job, like in the how, and, you know, obviously Aaron and now Sonia have been so instrumental in that as well at the district level, um, but, you know, would love your take, you know, on sort of the, the rubber hitting the road, you know, you can buy something, right. But then how does it actually, you know, how's it work? Yeah, no, that's great. I love the way you broke that down. Um, I think it starts, and I think Kurt, you probably agree with this. I think, um, I think it starts with vision. You have to have somebody that houses the vision of what is important and why it's important. And if the why is really at the forefront of, of the what, uh, then it makes the how super easy because, you know, every time you empower, and I think empowerment is huge. You know, I, I had the vision that I really, from my experience of watching others do it poorly, I was super passionate about how people learn. And my son has a learning disorder, a visual processing disorder. He's dealt with his whole life. And so I really became very intimately aware of how people learn differently, people take in information differently. And I really started to apply that in my role in retail and operations. Um, and he's now almost 18. So I've been doing that a long time of thinking about, you know, how people learn and, and what they learn. But I think if the why is there, the vision of, P, of, of your associates at the front of it and their experience and how they connect with the meaning behind the brand and what we're there to do, you know, Chiara comes from the word chioscuro, which means uh, from the darkness to the light. That's really easy to say. It's another thing to embed it into everything you do. And with Aaron and Sonia, our district sales managers were amazing. Uh, you know, they have been empowered to uh, bring that, that notion of light and how we educate people. And, and that includes both our internal customer and external customer. So it's a great question. I, I think it starts with vision and making sure everyone knows the line. Yeah. 
Exactly. And we have a question from the audience. Uh, it's probably good for you, Kurt. I have a new pot shop. Do I hire an LED L and D person or promote up? Oh gosh. Um, my, 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 my first knee jerk reaction is, um, you know, I think for most organizations, if not all, you know, there's something to be said about like opportunities to like grow your team internally. Right. You know, and, and, and give that, I think, um, but you also have to be very thoughtful around, you know, what's going to be served best for your team at large. And then also, um, you know, the communities you're going to serve. Right. You know, we, we I hear often, like, even now it's like, you know, I'd love to be part of the training team, et cetera, et cetera. So if those opportunities are there, like, you know, how do we help them develop the, the, the appropriate skills to be successful in a role, you know, versus sometimes like, Oh yeah, we're, we're going so fast. I got to just put somebody there. And then sometimes it doesn't really set one up for success. You know and let them really flourish in that so you know it's it's not a um i guess a black and white answer you should do internal or higher externally you got to really assess the needs of of what you have and you know what you really need current state and if there's someone that shows the ambition um has the, the i'd say the the learning uh, agility and the positivity and you know it can represent the brand very well and they're up for the challenge like hey like I, 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 for me, those are all great things that I, that I kind of look for and also really think about, you know, when, 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 when uh, presented with that. Uh, but also at the same time too, if maybe now is not the right time and you have to look at external resources, that's, that's an okay thing as well. You know, um, for us, all of us, you know, I would say that it's, it's usually like a gut check, right. For us to look inside and like, all right, so where are we at and where we need to be? So this not a one-sided answer, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's really about the people and knowing your people and the capability and, um, and uh, kind of like, you know, where, where, where they can uh, flourish and uh, kind of help that guide the decision or the thought process. I'm always a huge advocate for though, for promoting internally. Yeah, agreed, agreed. As far as operational um, operations, um, you know, from your experience team here, you know, what operational processes have been the most challenging as a whole? Uh, well, um, that's a really broad question, but the operational challenges probably always re revolve around um, a question actually that was asked, which is succession planning. You know, that's the number one most important thing you can invest in if you're a small business owner and you're listening to this, invest, invest, invest in building your bench. Uh, because once you get that mm -hmm. process down, Everything is so easy because you've got um, everyone involved, everyone's invested. Um, you have people that are super bought into the vision and to the experience, and they become an investment. Uh, they have put the time. Uh, the equity is often one thing people think about in terms of capital, but there's equity of my time and my skill set. And you have a lot of young people out there that are starting in your stores and they're starting at the bottom level invest because they could be the best amount of equity you build in your business for them putting their equity of time and passion. So if you can get that right, you can get a lot of other things right. Love that. Kurt, did you want to go? Or I, I was going to add something to Eleanor's, but I'd love you know, you to. No, go, yeah, go, go ahead. No, I, I just, I, I love what Eleanor said. And I think something that can't be discounted here with, with cannabis as a retail category is that there are operators that have no retail experience and that's okay, but that is going to put the employee experience of frontline retail team members at a disadvantage. And so I think like, as you know, if I was running, you know, a cannabis 
business. And this is why I love, you know, uh, obviously Loom and Chiaro so much is that they are a team of retailers that obviously, you know, that's, that's a prerequisite in my book in terms of, you know, being able to hire, being able to train, being able to develop, be able to create opportunities. I mean, that's so, so important. And, you know, cannabis for a lot of reasons that we've got a lot of attorneys, we've got a lot of bankers, and that's all good and fine. But if you don't organize the right talent on the retail side, your stores are going to be just at a disadvantage. And so, um, you know, for us, you know, obviously going coming back to how we support retailers and decreasing employee turnover, that's how you have those succession opportunities. The longer your teams are in the role, the more optimized they are. Um, before I turn it over to Kurt, you know, I always, when we do talk to, and I've, I've had this conversation with Eleanor, um, when we talk to like a CFO or something and they go, you know, what's the ROI of this? And I, you know, early days, I'd be very kind. Now I'm sort of coming into my own, but I would say, okay. I said, well, what's the ROI of your mother? What's the ROI of having good parents? What's the ROI if you're Susie, the bud tender, and she knows her schedule for the next three weeks because her manager's trained, can manage time, and is effective as a manager and leader. You can't run your business off a spreadsheet. Um, you know, and that's, I think, where retail has struggled, but also, I think, where cannabis retail is, uh, in some ways, a bit more prone to thinking due to, you know, where some of these businesses are originating, you know, out of, out of uh, you know, large capital groups and what have you. So, I think, you know, like, I forget who it was, but we've all been saying it, <laughs> retails people. And, you know, it's about, it's about really uh, putting people at the front and center of the operation. So. Well said, Ray. Yeah. Yeah. And I would definitely um, echo all those sentiments and uh, to kind of go off of like Eleanor as well. Like I, I definitely agree. You got to have a strong, healthy bench of, of very talented, passionate folks you know, they're really the foundation of every strong and successful business, right? I think the other piece too is, um, you know, and, and many times let it be like you're you're at the very beginning or you're looking to grow or potentially in the middle of growing rapidly. You know, we have this conversation like with different departments um, on occasion is like, uh, you know, what's, what's, what's the next thing that we need to do to grow our business? And I use that term loosely, right? Not in the sense of maybe just like additional stores, but it could be like making proper investments around training development or changing over systems uh, from point of sales, uh, so, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, you know, with sometimes when you have competing priorities, you know, um, you know, folks need to kind of take a step back and look and look at, you know, what what makes sense now? Right. You know, do I need to gain, uh, raise capital so I can go and uh, we can continue to grow more retail spaces uh, potentially? Or is it, you know, we need to double down on our people focus internally? You know, because that's actually going to be the precursor to some of these other elements as we look at the next fiscal year. You know, so I think we have to be thoughtful sometimes around that, because at the end of the day, like this industry is moving so quickly, we can get caught up in all the noise that comes along with it uh, to where, you know, and don't get me wrong, we, we, we do it unintentionally make rash decisions. So my, my advice though would be is like definitely take the time to, you know, have conversations with your, your peer group, your leaders, if you have other partners out there as well, you know, when you think about like learning and development, such as Ray and our partnership and, and, and others also, because, uh, you know, we help each other out, you know, let it be directly or indirectly to help kind of like steer, like it, there's a phrase that I heard long ago, um, sometimes around like, you know, that the, the ship sometimes might be heading in, uh, in the right direction, but also is it taking on water? 
you know, so slowly sinking, so to speak. So the metaphor being that, you know, we want to make sure that we have our eyes open to what's going on around us and stay focused, uh, but also clear out the noise as well at the same time. Thank you for that, uh, Kurt. And, you know, thank you, Eleanor, uh, Ray, and Kurt for, for joining us today and sharing your insights with their audience. Uh, thank you, everyone, for logging on uh, today on Zoom and across LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and beyond. Uh, I did share the LinkedIn accounts for all of our panelists here, so if you'd like to reach out. But uh, team here, if you'd like to, to share your, your personal handles or you know, how can people reach you online, uh, this is... Uh, this is your chance. Thank you very much for having me. And if you want to reach out, definitely check me out on LinkedIn. And you can always, if you're in Canada, check us out at Kiara.com. Yeah, same here, everyone. Again, you know, I'll, I'll profusely apologize for my tardiness, but but thank you so much for being so gracious. It was fantastic to connect, uh, to connect with everyone on, on the panel today. Um, yeah, again, LinkedIn, similar to Eleanor. You know, loom.com loom as well, uh, Michigan made a cannabis company. You know, even I'll give you my uh, work email too. It's uh, kurt.eisenberger at loom.com if you'd like to reach out uh, from, on that platform also. So thank you again so much, everyone. Thank you, Kurt. Yeah, great. So Ray Riley on LinkedIn, um, got everything else to Twitter. Uh, the company has all that good stuff too, progressretail.com. Um, thanks so much, Guillermo. Appreciate it. And thank you to Kurt and Eleanor for uh, slicing out an hour of your day to, to join me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We'll have a wonderful week. Um, happy St. Patty's Day. Uh, and we'll, we'll be in touch soon. <laughs> Cheers. Take Bye. care, everyone. Bye.